I don't get where I play as long as I go number one in the draft. From the Erie Otters, Connor McDavid. From the London Knights, Mitch Marner. From the Western Hockey League's Brandon Wheat Kings, Nolan Patrick. This is Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. He checks an enormous amount of boxes. Nobody in this draft did more with less. I absolutely love him. It's not his skills that anybody's concerned about. It's that playing attitude. And quite frankly, it's really poor. Speeding towards the future of the NHL. From the U.S. Development Program, Jacob Truba. From Faryastad of the Swedish Elite League, Jonas Brodin. From the Boston U Terriers, Brady Kachuk. He could play in the NHL next year. He's one of those guys. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Hello there and welcome to episode 28 of season 2 of Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. The director of scouting for TSN will be all along shortly. And this is the show where the stars of tomorrow are discovered and discussed and uh, it is great to be back uh, chatting it's great to be back on ultimate fantasy sports network we have some incredible things uh, going on behind the scenes a new show will debut this saturday the ultimate roundtable uh, times and details uh, still uh, being worked out but uh, this it should come your way sometime in the afternoon on saturday it's going to be a lot of fun as is today's show uh, we are going to discuss uh, three uh, different uh, prospects uh, who will hopefully uh, one day become NFTs on uh, the UFFS platform. Uh, we're going to be speaking about Simon Edvidsson, uh, a defenseman uh, out of Sweden. Really highly rated uh, by a lot of people, and uh, we'll find out for good reason uh, from Craig Button. Uh, Fyodor Svechkov also. This is an interesting one because... This uh, prospect was auctioned off for just $20 and uh, now making a lot of noise. And Xavier Borgo, uh, player out of the QMJHL, uh, Pipeline Prospects, has that NFT. And uh, we'll speak with Craig and get his thoughts on what he thinks about uh, those three players. Uh, also uh, going to be asking Craig about, uh, you know, what, Jack Eichel's trade value might be and, you know, what the Sabres might be looking at, whereas what other teams might be looking at. Hopefully that's a draft uh, trade uh, because there's always exciting things. And Cole Caulfield in the playoffs with the Montreal Canadiens. We'll check in uh, with Craig to see what he thinks about uh, Caulfield and uh, what the Habs are doing uh, so far as a young player in the playoffs. Uh, Craig joins us courtesy of the UFFS Hotline. It is the ultimate fantasy experience. Uh, and if you want to get in the game, you can do it by just becoming a scout. Franchises are really expensive. Hockey franchises have sold for 51000 uh, the UFAFL auction uh, for American League football is going to blow the doors off, especially when uh, some of the uh, uh, alumni and current players uh, that are uh, joining forces with us are announced. It's going to be just through the roof. But you can get in as a scout for like 20 bucks. <laughs> it's so easy. Uh, and then you can bid on players if you want in these scout auctions, or you can list a player for just 20 bucks. I think being a scout might be 25 bucks. Um, but anyway, it's, it's a very small amount and it gets you in the game, uh, where you can uh, make some money off of, uh, 
you know, listing players and then they get drafted uh, or you sell them directly to UFHL franchises. This is going to be awesome. So a time for you to get in now when it's still relatively quiet because the thing about scouting is you can join as a hockey scout and then decide that you're pretty good eye for baseball players. You can scout in baseball when we launch that. The Ultimate Fantasy League Baseball will be coming on auctions this fall. The league play starts next year, so you can scout in any kind of sport. Check it out on the website, www.uffsports.com. Uh, here's quickly a look at high-level scouting. My wife is the owner of uh, this scouting agency. Craig Button is the president, and uh, these are uh, some of the prospects that we have. And uh, so that's what you can do is build your own stable of uh, scouts, uh, of prospects. Uh, it's awesome. And this show is, as mentioned, proudly being broadcast on UFSN, the Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network. And just like UFFS, we are growing. New shows are being planned, as mentioned, the Ultimate Roundtable this Saturday. And we're talking to more passionate people about getting their shows on the network. Bookmark the YouTube page. Keep checking back. If uh, you have a show that you think would be great, please reach out to us. UFSN at UFFSports.com. Or follow at UFS Network on Twitter. Uh, the DMs are definitely open in that regard. And uh, we can get you involved where you own the game. All right, let's get to Craig Button right after this. Here he is. The director of scouting for TSN, former GM of the Calgary Flames, and a Stanley Cup champion with the Dallas Stars. Plus, he's a sharp-dressed man with a heart of gold and a passion to match it. Craig Button. Craig, we are just over five weeks away from uh, what will be a, another a strange draft, a virtual draft in the National Hockey League. And we'll be chatting about three prospects uh, who could be potential NFTs in a second. But I want to ask you about, you know, one of the more popular situations going, uh, you know, topics in the NHL right now. And that's what might be happening with Jack Eichel and, and Buffalo, a very young player. We've seen teams in the past move on from young players too early. The Boston Bruins might come to mind with Joe Thornton. What do you see going on with this Eichel situation? It's it's rare that a young star player like this could be available. Well, it, it is rare. And when they do become available, you're doing everything you can to understand what the cost of acquiring them are. I remember back in, I forget what year it was, it must have been 2002. Uh, and Vinny LeCavalier, there was a lot of talk about Vinny LeCavalier perhaps being available. And, you know, I, you, you, you phone, you find out, you want to know what, what, the, uh, uh, what the asking price is. Well, ultimately what ended up happening in Tampa Bay is uh, Rick Dudley was the one that was taking calls on Vinny LeCavalier and the owner and other people in the organization decided that we're not trading Vinny LeCavalier and they replaced Rick Dudley with Jay Feaster. So 
Uh, I, I don't think that that's a scenario that plays out in Buffalo, just to, uh, you know, uh, you know, as a sidebar. But when when a player, quality player like Jack Eichel becomes available, it's incumbent upon a manager to phone and find out what the cost is, and to find out, you know, what it, what it would mean to what the what the ask is uh, in terms of acquiring that player. I mean. Rumors go, but this is reality. And I know with Jerome Aginla, you know, the rumors would get out there, oh, we're going to trade him, and it was got to be hilarious. And your, your phone would ring, like, incessantly. <laughs> and, like, you'd pick up the phone and phone back and go, I know why you're calling. Make me say yes. Start. That's how I would deal with it, Bob Clark's advice. You know, to, don't sit there and let the other manager say, like, ask uh, uh, what you're looking for. I just said, Go ahead, make me say yes. Start. Hmm. Well, and, what and, about this? I said when I'm satisfied with what you're offering, you'll hear yes. So go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and you might be talking for a long time, depending on the player. And you know, this well, is well. I mean, that, know, that was, is... that's exactly the point, Dean. Right? Like, I mean, I wasn't trading Joe McGinley, so don't waste my time. If you're serious, let's start the process. And like, you know, it was funny how GMs would start in and go. Well, you know, well, what do you think of that? I said, have you heard me say yes yet? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I want to know if I'm on the right track. I said, keep going. If you hear me say yes, you'll know you're on the right track. Until you hear yes, you're not on the right track. (laughs) So let's go back to Jack Eichel. He's a star player. He's a young star player. And, you know, the Buffalo Sabres, I think, have have a bigger challenge in front of them. It's not just Jack Eichel, it's Sam Reinhardt and Rasmus Ristolainen and, and, and those players that have been there for a number of years now that have given a lot to the organization and uh, they haven't had a chance to come close to tasting success. And players ultimately, and in the end of it, they want a chance to not only be given the opportunity to be at their very best individually, they want a chance to be part of something collectively. And I think if you look at Sam and Ristolainen, Sam Reinhardt and Rasmus Ristolainen and Jack Eichel, they've given what they, what they got. They've given lots of what they got. Now they're looking at a situation where they're going, is this a scenario in Buffalo where I can get the second part of this, which is an opportunity to compete uh, for championships and, and, and work together as a team. That's Kevin Adams' biggest challenge. So, you know, that means who you're going to hire as a coach, you know, what, what does it mean for Jack Eichel? What does it mean for Sam Reinhardt? What does it mean? It's not one action. It's, it's multiple actions. And ultimately what Kevin has to do is he has to convince those players and every one of his players that they're moving in the right direction. And uh, until, you, and, until you start showing that, it doesn't always have to be in a big way. Little small signals, small signs that it, that's moving forward will we'll deliver that uh, sign to the players. Right now, I don't know what the players can, can can hang on. Now, for for Kevin Adams, I mean, you, you you're going to trade Jack Eichel. That's great. I heard all the talk when they traded Ryan O'Reilly about how much qu- quantity they got. Oh, they got a lot of pieces. You know mm-hmm. what? They didn't get quality. They didn't get any quality. They got zero quality. You, you're trading Ryan O'Reilly. You better get quality. When you're trading Jack Eichel, if you're going to trade him, you better get quality. That's what he better be looking at. 
Yeah, and, and, and you know, a bunch of pieces, uh, you know, if they're if they're not up to that quality, it doesn't matter. They're not going to fit into your puzzle. So it's uh, it's sage advice that you have to get this right if you're going to decide to uh, to to trade this player. All right, uh, let's it's move on. It's not just right. Let me just let me just be real quick here. Yeah, it's not just about right for what you're getting for the player. Like it's got to be right for the organization and what you're trying to do going forward, and. You know, if you're going to sit here and talk about prospects and you're going to talk about draft picks and everything, well, guess what? The, the group that's left after and behind uh, Jack Eichel, they're going to be the next group that's going to be mm-hmm. looking for signs that they have a chance to uh, have a chance to compete to successfully as a team. They're going to be the next group. And if you're not showing that group, guess what? You're just seeding more uh, doubt in, in, into your entire organization. Yeah, and then that's just a, a, a vicious circle. All right, uh, let's talk about uh, Simon Edvinson. Uh, one of, uh, you know, I guess you might call the big four uh, that people are talking about for the 2021 draft uh, on the blue line with Frolunda Hockey Club. Uh, spent uh, most of the time in the uh, J20 uh, National League and Spitfire Scouting has this defenseman and uh, a future NFT at $110 in the auction uh, for future auctions. And then he will now be, pending the NHL draft, uh, selected by a UFHL team. So exciting stuff uh, for an NHL team and a UFHL team. And I guess, Craig, what sets him apart? You know, there's that group that people refer to, I, I, you know, as I refer to the kind of that big four of uh, you got Owen Power, Brant Clark, uh, Simon Evanson, uh, Luke Hughes, and certainly there's some other quality defensemen. But what is it that Simon maybe does that sets him apart from other defensemen? He, he's he, he's already an elite NHL skater, like, and he's only going to become that much better with with uh, maturity and strength. But but when I say right now, he's he's already an elite NHL skater. Forward, backwards, pivoting, the ability to uh, pick up the the pace of the game and you know beat pressure in his own zone. He he he's he's outstanding in that regard. I mean, when when you start looking. I mean, I think he's the best skater in the draft. Uh, the, 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 you know, I don't know how, how else I can put it. Uh, but w- w- when you can, you know, skate like that and, and you can move laterally and you can move forward, and you can move backwards, you can close space on opponents and you can close it quickly. And not only do you use that defensively, well, now you start using it uh, as a weapon to, to, to beat pressure in your own zone, get the puck moving out of your own zone. He, he, he's so uh, good in that. In the offensive zone, I don't think he's going to be a top-end offensive player. I don't think he's got those qualities. But because he can hold the line because of the confidence in the skating and because he can jump into the attack and keep the play alive in the offensive zone, that's going to that, that, allow – uh, whoever has him on their team, that team to be able to, to, to keep the offensive thrust, to keep the play going in the offensive zone. It's not going to show up in points or big booming shot, but it's going to show up in really good play. And I think as he learns, I think young defensemen, you know, especially like Simon, you know, there's this, oh, I got to put up points. No, you don't. You don't have to put up points. Ryan McDonough did, doesn't put up points. But he, he, he's a real effective player. And Simon, I think, once he gets settled in and understands, well, I just got to get the puck here, I got to get the puck there, I think he'll, 
he, he'll excel. And, you know, I, I, again, I'm not looking at a player that I think is going to win Norris trophies, but I think he's a player that you want on your team. He's a, he's a competitor. He understands how to make plays real quick and real fast. And if you can't do things quickly and correctly with your mind, you're not going to be able to play very well. He reminds me that the, the comparable type of player I have is Seth Jones. Hmm. You know, if you look at Seth Jones, not a big offensive player, you know, and Seth might be a little bit better offensively, but, he, but he's not an elite offensive player. I think that Simon might have a game much like Seth Jones, play big minutes, play against the other team's best players, penalty kill, get time on the power play, understand how to move the puck to and fro. I think that Simon possesses those qualities to be uh, a real, real good defenseman in the National Hockey League, a very, very good defenseman in the National Hockey League. You know, the, the name that just keeps coming up uh, through this whole conversation is Jay Bomeister. I mean, terrific skater. And, and Jay yeah. had some pretty good early offensive success and then kind of settled into that, uh, you know, and maybe Jay had, had a more offensive touch. But the skating, you know, the ability that, you know, while you might not uh, contribute a lot of points, you might contribute to the setup of that offense, but being able to skate the puck uh, a little bit more than, than some other guys. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, those guys are so valuable on a, on a on a on a hockey team, and then they also fill out different categories in, in fantasy. But you know, is this a guy that you think, while he might not be the offensive side, can still be uh, uh, on a number one pairing and and play more of the uh, you know, the defensive role, and maybe not the offensive role? Yeah, yeah, I do, and I think that I think that uh, comparison to Jay Boomister is really really appropriate, and. Uh, you know, even despite the fact that Jay had a couple of seasons early on in his career where he was where he was good offensively, he really settled in to just being a really good, effective, mm-hmm. what I would call two-way defenseman. That's what I think Simon is. I think he's a really good two-way defenseman. And, you know, I think once Jay settled in to being exactly what he was, you're talking about Jay was a very good player on very good teams. And so I think that it's also incumbent upon the team to make sure that they get a player, uh, recognize what a player is and don't get disappointed in a player because he doesn't produce offense. If, if you think he's going to produce offense and he doesn't, and, he, you, and, and the book on him was that he wasn't going to produce, you can't be disappointed in that player. Understand, and, and that's where projections come out and identifying what a player's strengths are. This, you know, you say, oh, yeah, we're player. He's going to score 15 goals. He's going to get 60 points. And that's what you're projecting him. And then if he doesn't become that, you're disappointed. Don't be disappointed. Mm-hmm. Just understand what it is because the disappointment might might be better directed at yourself for making the wrong assessment and projection about what a player could be offensively. Yeah, and and what happens uh, obviously in a uh, NHL draft could be different than in a fantasy draft when you're looking at specific categories. So it is so important to have those correct expectations because with incorrect expectations, Craig, you're 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 just you know you're you're shooting wildly. You have no aim really uh, in that sort of thing. So it's so important uh, to go into not only understanding the, the, what the, you know, what the player is, but what you think he will be and being 
realistic about it uh, is is such a huge thing because otherwise you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Um, let's talk about uh, this next uh, forward, uh, Fedor Svechkov from uh, Lada Tag uh, Togliani in the VHL. And uh, wow, this could be a massive uh, haul. Can West Scouting. Uh, this this player was uh, originally won in the scouting for just twenty dollars by Ruby ISS and and Ken West has has acquired and I wonder it, it sounds like uh, there's a lot of uh, talk about this player um, maybe I don't know if the the quote unquote riser but where has he improved the most uh, since you have started watching uh, Svechkov? Yeah, well, I, you know what I would say I think I I think that is he is. Uh, you know, gain confidence in his game. The, the the productivity in his game has has increased, and it's just it's 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 a real strong circle. You know, you gain confidence, your productivity increases. You you, you try more things. The physical maturity has taken place, and so he, he as a younger player, he always always was a good skater, always was smart, always had the ability to make plays, but. He, he's just taken that and pushed that up to, to, to what I would consider pretty close to an elite level, if not an elite level. I, I, I'll be straightforward with you. I, I, I love I love him. I think he is such a superb player. I think he's cut from the mold of uh, Pavel Datsyuk. Hmm. That's what I see when I watch him. I'm not going to say the same type of magnificent puck skills. I'm talking about that two-way force. I'm talking about a player that not only individually contributes to the game in every significant and critical area of the game, but also makes everybody around him better and by extension, the team better. That's what I see in Svechkov. And that's why I use Pavel Datsuk as a comparable, because that's what Pavel Datsuk did. And that, and he does it quietly. You know, Pavel Datsuk didn't do it with a lot of flair and a lot of flash and dash. He had some flash and dash in his game, sure. but he did it with a real competitive initiative. And that's what I see with Svechkov. Yeah, like a true professional that uh, just never shirked any duties. And, and that no. that's what I remember. You know, we all remember uh, in our uh, beer leagues the day after Pavel Datsuk tried to do something or did something. And then everybody tried to do it in the beer leagues, <clears throat> the Datsuk moves and things like that. But the subtleties in their game uh, where they were just so smart. Uh, what, what what did you see in him from uh, at the uh, World 18, at the U18s? Um, it was, you know, was he uh, one of those guys that you just described um, as kind of like a, I don't know if uh, like a, not a, a control, but, a, you know, a, um, I'm, I'm trying to think of the right word, but just, you know, when maybe when the game was in trouble, this is a guy that they kind of all look to and, and he could really, you know, bring the team together. No question. He was a dominant player at the U18. Dominant. He wasn't just a good player. He wasn't just a great, he was a dominant player. And, you know, the way that, uh, you know, he played in every critical situation for his team. Uh, and, and again, he, he helped everybody around him be better. You, you know, to me, it's not just what an individual player does. It's, it's, it's the extension uh, of his play that, that helps other players you know, contribute in a real significant way into their strengths. And, you know, when you, when I use the word dominant, that's how he was. He, he, he was dominant, like physically, skill wise, offensively, defensively, uh, you know, face offs, 
all like I can't think of an area where he where, where he wasn't top notch, not one area. Yeah, well, that's so exciting for uh, you know everybody involved, and and then you throw in just you know that you talked about uh, all around game, just the the skill level, the uh, you know oh. the the excitement with the hands and the creativity. You know what excites you about that part? Well, I I think that that's uh, you know he can he, he can make plays in, in small areas. He he can play in in in, in what I call a, a small area game, phys- like with his physical skills. I'm talking about the hand skills and the agility and quickness. He can also do it with his body, and he also can do it with his mind. You know, when you when you watch a player that can engage, you know, engage competitively in, in a certain area, and yet he knows exactly what the next play is, and he knows exactly where the puck needs to go, where the, where, where his line mate can take advantage of their skills. I mean, that's a that that's a skill in and of itself. I I call it progression of thought. And, you know, it's a hockey is a fluid sport. It's not like come up to the line of scrimmage, size it up. And like progression of thought is that, you, you know, you're in one area of the game and you're, you're, you're trying to make a play. Well, you got to be able to move. You got to progress to the next area and you got to be able to do it really quickly. And that's with the puck, without the puck, that's offensively, that's defensively. It's, it's understanding that, OK, I'm trying to win this puck. But when I win this puck in the battle, what's my next play? Svechkov excels in that regard. All right. Somebody's well, going to get a really good player yeah. in an area of the draft where you're going to look back in years, and, and in my view, people are going to say, how did they get him there? I really believe that. I love the uh, the the two steps ahead type of player, you know, the Cole Perfetti that we talked about from last year's draft that are always thinking where they need to be after they make this move. It's it's kind of like a chess uh, uh, attitude towards it. Uh, all right, Craig joins us on the UFFS hotline. Scouting is a huge part of the platform. All free agents, all prospects, they go through the scouts. So you can start putting your scouting talent to good use. Uh, Become an independent scout, form a partnership with an existing franchise, and strut your stuff. Put your resume out there. Get more information at www.uffsports.com. We'll be auctioning off the 2024 draft prospects, the top 64 uh, as of right now, and then the rest become... Uh, open market for $20. So check it out at www.uffsports.com. All right, let's get into our uh, final prospect that we're chatting about, Xavier Borgo of Shawinigan in the QMJHL. Pipeline prospects uh, picked this player up for $65 in the uh, initial auction. Um, how would you describe him? Is he a centerman? Uh, what kind of uh, you know forward would you describe Xavier as, Craig? You know, as I'm watching the National Hockey League playoffs and, and you watch different players and you try to, uh, you know, use a comparable, a comparable type. And Jean-Gabriel Pajot is coming a little bit to mind because mm. Xavier ha- has, has those offensive abilities, but, but he's got a hunger. He's got a hunger that's a quiet hunger. He, he's not going to overwhelm you with, uh, with power. He's not going to overwhelm you with this physical prowess right where you know he's going to gain advantages but his mind is always working and he's always in it getting himself or trying to put himself in positions where he can take advantage of you and you're not pushing him out of the game hmm. you're not pushing xavier borgo out of the game 
and that's Jean Gabriel Pajot to me. Now, you know that's where I, you know that's where I find myself right now. You know, watching or trying to come up with a comparable type with uh, with Borgo, it's Jean Gabriel Pajot, and those players. You know, you look at Jean Gabriel Pajot and you ask yourself, oh, okay, uh, you know, he plays on a team. And, oh, Matt Barzell, look at how exciting and flashy he is. Pajot has more points than him in the playoffs. Hmm. Don't ever underestimate the Jean Gabriel Pajot's to winning. And I would say the same thing about Xavier Borgo. I think uh, you, you can go and assess, and you're probably going to hear things like, Oh, he doesn't have elite this, and he doesn't have elite that, and he doesn't like, he lacks foot speed here, or he lacks that in size. You know what I say? Garbage. Watch the guy play. Watch the game. Watch how he invests in the game. Watch how he makes plays, important plays in the game, and when it matters. That's Jean-Gabriel Pajot, and I think Xavier Borgo is a real good player. You know, he played with Maverick Bork who was a first-round draft pick to the uh, Dallas Stars last year. And Maverick's another player. You know, they just play. They, 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 whatever, whatever's happening in the game, they're in the middle of it. They, they understand how to take advantage of their own skills and, and, and to make sure that they don't get overwhelmed. That, and so, you know, your board goal and you watch a, a, a Maverick Bork, you know, that's a pretty good example of a player that knows how to play in a lot of different areas. And again, I go back to Jean-Gabriel Pajot. Jean-Gabriel Pajot is never going to be uh, like a poster boy for skill and flash and dash. But you, you want to get into the heart of the matter and the competition? Tell you what, you want Pajot. You know, it's it's interesting when I hear that we've talked about these types of players before that when you look at them on the surface, you think, I don't think that guy's a first-line player, but they complement other first-line players. And we've talked about these guys before that, you know, maybe on their own you wouldn't think of them as a first-line player, but they fit in so well. They do things and they make those other players, they help those other players uh, become a a better player, and you know they you know not every first line player is is equal. There are obviously uh, some superstars that are out there, but there's also some guys that might just fit in on that first line and do a lot of things really well. Kind of a a glue guy. Um, when you do when you look at areas of improvement, do you see any glaring areas? Or are they small things that he can continually work on and become that first line complementary players? Nothing, nothing glaring at all. It, it, to, to me, it's what I call developmental weaknesses. And, you know, uh, and, and weakness might not be the right way to do it. It's just developmental elements. You, mm-hmm. you, you gotta, you gotta work at, 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 you know, playing the game faster and quicker. And, and, you know, that comes, that comes with, with development. And, and that's where the focus is. It's hockey sense is really good. I don't think you can improve hockey sense, you know, Skating, there is absolutely zero issues with the skating. Is he Connor McDavid? No, but it, but you work at it. And again, the pace, the hands are good. Does he have the magic hands of, of if he lead offensive player? No, but projecting a player for what he is and what he can bring to the team is really important. And I think that's the key. And, you know, like I, I see more flash and dash players in my time, Dean, that, you know, wowed you so to speak, wowed you. But you know what? They weren't very functional players. And they, mm. they never were able to move ahead and have success at higher levels. They just weren't. 
And it's no, it's not going to be any different in this year's draft. It's not going to be any different than next year's draft or the draft after that. There's those players that are always going to be in that in that area of the uh, uh, of the evaluation, and it just can't change. That's how that, that's how it'll be. All right. Well, let's uh, go back to the 2019 draft for a second, where a guy went mid uh, first round, and probably a lot of people uh, weren't sure about his size and if he would be able to compete. And the Montreal Canadiens took Cole Caulfield 15th overall, and uh, here he is making his debut in the playoffs. Uh, it doesn't happen very often. Uh, what have you thought about uh, Cole Caulfield uh, in the playoffs? And probably another guy that a lot of people second guessed at one point. I was sure about his size. He was five seven and a quarter. There was no, there was nothing to not be sure of. His size was right there for everybody to see. Like, like you're unsure. And wait a sec. The guy was an elite. He was the best goal scorer in that draft. The best goal, one of the best goal scorers I've seen come along in a long time. So I did not know next to goal scoring, Dean. It, there's a height requirement. I did right. not know next to goal scoring that there's a, a weight requirement. Because to score goals requires different skills and, and, and different elements. And Cole Caulfield didn't just possess them. He possessed them at, at, at he had star quality in them. You know, Mike Bossy ironically went 15th overall in the 1977 draft. <laughs> all he did was score. And people said, all he does is score. Oh, and he's not tough and he's not this. Well, wait a second. Are you asking Mike Bossy to go and fight fights? Are you asking Cole Caulfield to go and grind it out in the corners? No, you drafted him for his size. And if you want to, again, I like till the day I stop doing this, I'm going to be able to say it. You know what? Keep uh, underestimating players based on size, the smaller players, and keep overestimating those bigger players based on on their size. Because it's never going to fail. And we're going to go back in time, and we're going to be able to, ah, yeah, they underestimate. Because, quite frankly, people don't learn. (laughs) People don't learn. You know, it's it's clear that size is not an issue because there's a lot of guys that don't have size that are in the Hall of Fame that have great careers. So it's clear that, you know, and, and you know what? There's a lot of big guys that are giant guys that never made it either, Craig. So maybe it's more about what's inside than, you know, what the number is and things like that. And for a guy to come in and make his debut and arguably the, 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 the hardest uh, part of the season, the playoffs where it's the most intense, that's so impressive. Uh, it show, shows his, you know, his ability to adapt and his competitive level and, and all those things. I've watched Cole for a long time. All he does is keep scoring. That's all I know. He just keeps scoring. Everybody's like, and it's not like people don't know about Cole Caulfield. It's not like they're not trying to stop him. They keep trying to stop him. And he keeps scoring. That's all I know. You know this, Dean, I've said this about there's, there's three necessary requirements to be a really good goal scorer okay number one you have to be able to get open at the right times you have to be able to get open at at the right times to receive the puck that's number one number two you have to be able to take what i call tough pucks you have to be able to take tough pucks every puck's not going to be flat sitting on your stick and perfectly you got to be able to take those tough pucks and, and maneuver them then you have to do what I would call A and B. Then you have to get that shot off really quick. And players are trying to get, opponents are trying to get their stick on the puck. They're trying to get into the area to potentially block it. 
And once you do all, then you got to beat the goaltender. You got to beat them with deception, or you got to beat them with a release, or with a fake, or whatnot. That's that's what's required to be a really good goal scorer. And you know what? Nowhere in there does it say you have to be six foot three. Nowhere does it say you have to be a minimum of uh, a certain height. All I know is Cole Caulfield has possesses every one of those skills, and there are very few players, very few players that possess what he possesses. Brilliant player, brilliant competitor. He will continue to score at the NHL level. And in time, people will be, how did they get him at 15? How did they get him at 15? Okay, tell you what, again, overlook overlook players based on their size. Yeah, Way to go. You know, it's it's not like it's the zipper at the fair where you must be this tall to score goals. And and I'll say this, I would rather watch Cole Caulfield uh, than get on the zipper right now because he's much more entertaining and I'm too old for those <laughs> fair rides. But you don't have to be this tall to, to score goals. So great stuff as usual, Craig. Uh, we're creeping towards the draft. It's going to get really exciting as uh, everybody's lists and rankings and debates come out. And that's the, the fun part for fans is to be able to participate and scouts of the UFHL in those debates. Thanks so much, Craig. We'll chat next week. We will. Thanks, Dean. This is a serious message. Craig Button joins us on the Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports Hotline. Become a scout and make money while providing prospects to the Ultimate Franchise Hockey League. Check out the details at www.uffsports.com. It's serious. I like it a lot. I said we gotta win it. UFFS, you own the game. All right, in the next little while, following the draft, Craig and I will do Craig's Council, where you get a chance to ask questions about his scouting career or specific scouting questions, whether that's about a specific player or a uh, position or, or kind of anything like that, any kind of maybe scouting tip you would like. Um, you know, Craig is always open to uh, answering those questions, uh, you know, that you might have and helping other people get into the scouting business and sort of paying it forward. If you do have those questions, email me, tracking the draft at gmail.com and we will add it to the list of the uh, the questions that we have in from the past couple of shows that we've done that we didn't get to everything and we will do that uh, probably two weeks after the NHL draft and that'll be the uh, final show of uh, this uh, season for tracking the draft with Craig Button going to wrap things up hope you enjoyed the show please subscribe to UFSN just uh, click subscribe Hit that little bell. You'll get a notification every time we have a show, and we have a lot coming. And we've got a lot of cool, great production things planned with some of our awesome partners, athlete-only sports. Uh, it's just going to be amazing. Um, the production level is about to go way up, and we're going to bring it on some awesome people. You do not want to miss a minute of that. So also let us know what you think of the show. Always looking for constructive criticism. And as mentioned, if you'd like to join the program in any way as an advertiser, uh, or if you have a question for Craig, track in the draft at gmail.com. This has been Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. For the Director of Scouting for TSN, I'm Dean Millard. This is where the stars of tomorrow are discovered and discussed. Talk very soon.